from a bunker in beautiful Potchester, the Bronx, it's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of their quarantines. I'm Tom Brennan. Thank you for being with us for another week. And uh, yeah, like I was at a party yesterday and someone said, hey, we're over COVID and uh, we're really not. But uh, yes, we're no longer in the quarantine phase and and maybe we aren't always going to be in quarantines when we record this show. But I like to say it because it reminds me of maybe the happiest time of my life. Uh, the, the, the 10 straight months where I didn't have to go into the office. So uh, we're still, I'm still celebrating the quarantine. I look, I gotta be honest, if no one had died, COVID would have been the happiest period of my life. <laughs> I would, I to die, oh, that's bad. But the, the rest of it was terrific. I, and uh-huh. I wanted more people to die. Right. Uh, <laughs> longtime fans of the show will note host of a dangerous thing podcast and NFL fan therapy zone. James Heskey is with us. Hey, James, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. How about you, Tom? Oh, after, I don't know what voice that is. That's way too. After the last radio. few weeks, man, I'm doing great. Uh, so we're going to get into everything that happened this week later in the show with the panel. And we're going to talk about the potential fallout and the nuance uh, and literal uh, fallout by yeah, the way like actual <laughs> potential nuclear fallout of the Trump investigation <laughs> uh and the, but before we get to that we wanted to just take a, a few minutes here at the top to just really revel in how great the last last few weeks have been and look I'm a lifelong proud ardent democrat so I know we're going to blow this at some point in the next few months. Maybe by the end of it could be happening right now as we record. <laughs> yeah. Biden could be preparing pardon papers for Trump. <laughs> Joe Manchin yeah. could introduce an impeachment of Hunter Biden. <laughs> Schumer is just getting getting ready to repeal the ACA for absolutely no reason. <laughs> we'll have Mitch McConnell just where we want. <laughs> but until then, uh, we should have a few minutes of joy. Uh, and I could think of no one better to really uh, embrace and spread joy than James Askey. So James, talk to me about how you're feeling here, you know, for a little segment I'm now calling the electoral dysfunction first ever five minutes where we're happy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's, it. It's great. You know, here's what I love about it is that all it took was potentially our nuclear secrets and maybe secret secrets about our spies and um uh and 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 the french president falling into the wrong hands that's it that's all it took yeah. is is our deepest darkest secrets getting to the saudis and phil mickelson that's it <laughs> That's my favorite part is knowing that uh, in addition to all these bad actors, there's a non-zero chance that right now Randy Quaid is like, I got the codes and I'll sell Yeah, there's a, there are a bunch of mediocre golfers walking around with the, the you know, with Macron's height and weight right now, like, and knowing, knowing, you know, his, what happened at his colonoscopy or whatever it was that was in there. <laughs> and also, you know, which Hardys have nukes hidden underneath them. 
<laughs> all of them as it turns out <laughs> it's yeah. why that franchise still exists you ever see anyone inside a hardy's no no that's because all of them are fronts for nuclear missiles uh, and, and that's learned that because he was like i want some goddamn hardy's uh, <laughs> sir we have to tell you something <laughs> <laughs> that yeah why do you think he that's what he offered to all of those uh you know anytime athletes came to <laughs> to the White House. He was like, look, we were there checking out the nukes and I got some burgers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sir, that went out live to the whole country. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I declassified it. What a moment. Like, let's think about it. Just so like, I and what was so fascinating to me, again, the timeline, we'll talk more about it uh, uh, later in the show. But like this story hits a day after the Democrats for the first time in my lifetime, uh, suckered the republicans into letting them pass what was a decent bill like not yeah. as far as i wanted but pretty good <laughs> we got we literally we got like 20 percent of what we wanted and i was like fantastic we yeah. did it we got 20 percent. i can't believe it we pulled off a ruse yeah. <laughs> like and That's they got it like I am. literally the day that they were like all right we'll pass chips and uh, which, as I believe we discussed on this show last time around, is an act that guarantees that all Americans now must watch reruns of Chips, mm -hmm. uh, where all the nuclear codes are hidden. Um, yes. And like two hours later, Joe Manchin, of all people, was like, surprise! <laughs> Turns out I wasn't that bad of a guy, at least compared to cinema. <laughs> I was ready for cinema to tank it. And she almost did it at, you know, at, the, at the end. She almost tanked it because she sucks so bad. I, by the way, as soon as she isn't needed, we should toss her into a volcano. Yeah. It's very important, a very cool volcano if she wants, but yeah. it should a neat hip volcano. We With like a cool wig on one. it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever. It can have a tramp stamp. Yeah. But we throw her into it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, no, it's, I gotta say, my, the thing I've learned, I don't like Manchin either, but I accept that he at least is running in West Virginia uh, versus like Arizona, a progressively purple state uh, from someone who I love like everyone being like, what happened to Kirsten Cinema? I mean, years ago, she was protesting against all these things she's for. I'm like, I assume someone gave her a lot of money and now she's, yeah. and it seems I think, I think she's also, she just was convinced, is now convinced they're her friends. She, I think she's dumb. I think she's also dumb as shit. Yeah, that's a that's true. There's not. I mean, we are overestimating the intelligence of a senator from Arizona. I think. <laughs> uh, and, all right. And this was all on the heels of Alex Jones having to pay fifty million dollars in trial number one out of three. Yeah, number one, where I believe didn't I didn't watch the trial, but best I can assume. He was caught because like uh, now, like this is definitely not what happened, but I feel like the game of telephone of Twitter was like in my mind's eye. He went on the stand. It's like, do you swear to tell the whole truth? He's like, shit, I guess so. All right, then I did it. <laughs> he for, yeah, he went on. He went on the stand and forgot that he wasn't on his show. And he's, he starts talking like, oh, yeah, wait, hang on. I have to, yeah. I have to tell the truth. This no, I, I definitely did it then. <laughs> and then his phone gets turned over. Because he his lawyers suck, and that's the other thing. Every every day something new gets turned over to, uh, like something new ha has been happening. So the new thing that happened yesterday, in uh, when we're recording this, is now Trump's lawyers, who he's down, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel with lawyers. Yeah, Trump's lawyer now needs a lawyer 
because they signed off on something where they were saying like, oh yeah, no, no, we turned everything over and they did not turn everything over. So now Trump's lawyer is probably going to have to. And that's, and that's the proof of, that's enough proof of the justice department to say obstruction of justice, which is yeah. kind of funny. Like if he goes down on a technicality, <laughs> that's kind of great. Oh, oh man, James, this is great. Nothing can stop us from having justice now. I mean, what's he going to do? Appeal this all the way to a Supreme court that's run by judges. He handpicked who will do whatever he says. <laughs> oh yeah there we go there it is yeah, happiness over oh well yeah there well that was five minutes wasn't it yeah it was five minutes on the dot we tried our best uh okay well yeah and yeah can't can't get um and you know what i forgot it, this is in it's going to be in the hands of the voters and the voters are also stupid oh man if anyone oh but come on they bail us out sometimes after mm. they put us in something worse no they do not oh no, man. they do not Oh, so well. well, that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, we had a good we had a good moment. That was well, a great five minutes. Thanks for that, James. Thank you for stopping by to share some of this joy with us. Uh, of course, as I mentioned at the top, folks can follow uh, uh, the A Dangerous Thing podcast wherever they get podcasts. Anything else coming up? You want to pitch to the voter or to the voters? Yeah, uh, <laughs> the thirty-eight yeah, voters who listen to this show. I hope yeah. voters. Well, bots yeah. can't vote yet. So 22 voters. <laughs> yeah, at ADT pod at a for a dangerous thing uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, I've been happy to be a part of it in the past. James, thank you for joining us. Ned Thorne, let's kick us over to the panel. And join me in welcoming this week's panel. First up, always glad to have him back from the great state of Florida. Uh, the bully of the left himself. Find him on OliverWillis.com. Oliver Willis is back. Hey, Oliver, how are you? Hello, good, good. Excellent, and a, and a cameo from for the listeners from uh, Kalel the dog. So. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Kalel. Every couple minutes or so. He had strong opinions on Rob Liefeld a few minutes ago. So, <laughs> and as always, uh, uh, the star of the show, uh, Bloomberg Opinion Zone, Robert George. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, had some technical issues, Tom, but I'm re ready and raring to go. Excellent. And, you know, long time uh, uh, viewers and audiences of the show know we try to have as broad and diverse a group as possible. This is one of our rare uh, all male, male presenting shows. Uh, and I just want to be clear that we had two women who were uh, lined up and they both got paying jobs. And so uh, better paying jobs than this, which is to say paying at all. So they had to cancel last second. So uh, all that to say that in a way that's progress because we're working for free as men. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Robert, anything to say to that? You want to? Nope, no jabs. All right. What, we're what, move what, what, what more could what more could I say? Yeah, it's like you know the uh, the, the the gender the gender gap is working in favor of women for once. So so, that, so there you go. Well, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're getting money and we're getting absolutely nothing. So uh, there you go. It's Sunday morning. We're getting the, the, the joy of company. And by the way, if anyone wants to donate to Electoral Dysfunctions Patreon, please do. <laughs> uh, seamless, seamless, seamless. So let's talk about the week. We just had a little bit of fun with this, but uh, serious business. Monday of this past week, Monday, August 8th, out of nowhere in the afternoon, all of us just enjoying a regular Monday at work, <laughs> getting through the day, waiting to go home, and then suddenly the news breaks, the FBI has raided Mar-a-Lago. And now, uh, if you're anything like me, your immediate thought was, well, there's a lot of criminals in Mar-a-Lago. We don't know who they raided. <laughs> uh, but as the news came out, they were indeed raiding the residence of former president and game show host, it never gets easier to say 
Donald Trump. And best-selling uh, author. Don't forget that. Best-selling author. That's true. I forgot about that. Uh, Donald Trump. They raided it uh, and immediately firestorm broke out uh, with, with all of his allies on the right saying the FBI has been politicized. If you're going to go after the president, you better have the goods. Uh, so 48 hours later and after a, uh, a tragic violent attack on a uh, FBI office in Ohio, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland came out and said, uh, we have the goods. <laughs> and asked to uh, uh, just need a judge to unseal it. And then the, the pushback from the president's diehard allies were like, well, it, you know, it, oh, we'll see. I want to see this open. I don't know. And then it leaked out that it looked like the president had uh, been uh, holding on to nuclear codes, which you're not supposed to do that when you're not president anymore. Did uh, I and, do that? <laughs> and then uh, it was affirmed when uh, on Friday, when those, oh, the former president himself took to Truth Social, uh, hard for me to forget Truth Social. It is, of course, a very important platform. Uh, and said, I have nothing to hide. Go ahead. Uh, and then when they opened it up, it seems that he was uh, specifically rated under conditions in the Espionage Act, which is not good. Uh, and almost immediately, uh, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who boldly stated on Monday to Merrick Garland, clear your calendar and you better keep all of your documents because I'm coming for you. Uh, his immediate response was to tweet about how we really asked out this Inflation Reduction Act. So uh, there's a lot of potential, pun not intended, fallout uh, to look at from this situation. But I got to say, as we talked about in our, our bit in the opening, real fun week to watch the news, I have to say. <laughs> like, uh, it, was, it was very Albert. unusual. It was unusual to feel like this good for this long. Like, you know, I, I'm sort of, I sort of have been a doomer for the last, you know, six months, I think rightfully so. But I was like, the first couple, you know, hours of it, I was like, this feels good. And like, you know, it was coming after the, you know, Biden had signed the PACT Act and the, the Refl Inflation Reduction Act was about to pass in the House. And I was like, what is this? What is this strange feeling inside? Like, in my belly, it feels like butterflies and, you know, the air, you know, smells a little cleaner and, and, and it's a little, you know, sweeter. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And then it was just this rolling thing for a few days of like, why do I feel so good? And I was like, am I sleeping? Is this a dream that I'm having? You know, am I going to yeah. wake up and it's going to be like, you know, actually, you know, someone's going to come to me and say, actually, Biden lost and Trump is in his second term and you've been sleeping the whole time, sir. Yeah, and so, it's, so that's the end the, of the movie Brazil just happens and you get. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> was just, it was a strange feeling for, you know, quite a few days and I'm still kind of in it. Like I'm, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop at any given moment that like something bad. Like, and I still feel that way. Like, I feel like we've had so many straight days of good, something bad is going to drop really. I mean, other than, you know, there was the attack on the FBI building, which was bad, but you know, politically, I feel like something bad is going to happen real soon. So I feel like you could still at least, you know, what I've done for myself is to balance it with saying, what's the bad thing that's happening? Well, the bad thing for me is I am currently rooting for the FBI. So like, <laughs> I was like, all right, that could be better or worse. Robert, your thoughts on, on the week that was, you know, it is, it is easy. And we have, you know, uh, as of, I believe, August 2015, when on the electoral dysfunction stage, uh, Robert George said, and I agreed with him, I'm going to be fair here, that uh, Donald Trump uh, saying John McCain wasn't a war hero was the beginning of the end of Donald Trump's campaign. Uh, we don't we don't make predictions on this show anymore. But like weathermen, we occasionally forecast if the conditions stay the same. These are bad conditions for the pre former president. Am, am I right? 
I, I, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I killed Robert. I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I broke it's, you uh, with that one question. <laughs> No, no, it's um, it, it's it's uh, it's to be it's to be de determined because uh, as uh, I, I was quite well proven wrong as we, as you pointed out back in two thousand back in 2000, 2015. and uh, it it also has to be pointed out that um, the Mar-a-Lago news also uh, kind of uh, upended the, um, the 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 run of Good news coming out for the, the the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress in terms of passing lots and lots of different legislation. I mean, from an ideological partisan standpoint, we can make we can we can have disagreements about how well this package was or how well that was and and so forth and what the long term ramifications are. But just in terms of pure um, politics and optics. The, um, the the Democrats have had several have had several have had several good weeks. Now, politically, you can say, oh, the, the idea of the former president um, being raided by the FBI and these issues coming up with the Espionage Act and things like that, that also quote looks 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 good in from a if, if you're if you're if you're if you're a Democrat, ideologically, it may well have been better that Democrats just had that continued steady stream of good news in terms of getting get, getting their agenda passed and uh, Joe Biden looking like an effective president. I would say, I think that's a fair point. I would push back a little bit, Justin, that that happening uh, against the backdrop of the Mar-a-Lago raid, like I agree, like it could go either way, but I do think the shared, like the, a lot of people hated Trump for a zillion reasons. But I think the one shared thing that drew, animated voters in 2020 was the exhaustion of all this drama around Trump. And I don't think like, you know, like I think an argument could be made and we got months to spin it. And as we talked about in the opening, if there's one thing Democrats could do when they have the football and they're right at whatever line you're supposed to be in a football game to score a <laughs> touchdown is they might stand there for a few minutes and think about it before doing anything. Um, or but, even uh, run, the, run the other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's it doesn't hurt to have a bunch of legislative accomplishments against, oh, remember this guy? What a headache was this guy? Uh, Oliver, your thoughts uh, thoughts yeah. on, on the week that was? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't completely disagree with Robert on this. Like, yeah, it would have been, you know, the pure, you know, unfiltered good way of having just like, you know, dark Brandon just kicking ass for the last few days. Like I, you know, personally, I would have preferred that just like, you know, all these wonderful bills are passing and, you know, Biden is the master of the universe and never to even be reminded of Trump. But, you know, it's this thing where like, there's been so much bad news for Democrats for so long that I feel like, I feel like, I'm okay with having too much of a good thing, you know, in, in this way, like, I, I would rather like Trump not be in the news, but if it's going to be something like this and making him look terrible, I, I'm kind of okay with it. Like, I'm, 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 I'm more willing to like get Biden knocked off track a little bit with something like this, that's such a big deal. And, you know, I, I guess, other than to like partisans, I think people still have the idea that the DOJ you know, the FBI is this sort of nonpartisan agency for whatever the reality is of it. But I think to most people, they still see it as the G-men going after the bad guys. And other than like your diehard, you know, Trump conspiracy theorists that think that 
which is just like the most absurd thing to me to think that the like FBI is like the enforcement arm of the far left, which I like that that sounds like a fun fantasy scenario for me, but like I don't think a whole lot of people actually really believe it outside of the you know the Trump cult. So imagine traveling back in time and be like Malcolm X. Uh, <laughs> one day the FBI will be viewed as the arm of the far left. Right. You know, I had this like I was joking earlier this week about like is the FBI going around just round up the ceos boys you know you know earth justice has given us our hit list like take them out boys you know it's, it's so absurd so yeah i'm willing i'm willing to go with you know every too much of a good thing at once may not be the best lineup but i'll take it <laughs> robert uh for for those i mean obviously i know the answer to this but some folks might not a hundred percent understand uh, what being uh, under investigation for violations of the Espionage Act means. Uh, and you, as, as we've noted many a times, uh, Washington Hill expert, uh, the, the apotheosis of cool in the pundit set, uh, know some of these things. What, 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 just what is the, pre the former president currently being investigated for? I don't know. But thank you for well, setting me up. For, I really you teed you up on up. that. Yeah. Uh, th thank you for setting me up for that. Um, we do know, uh, just in terms of the, the timeline, that uh, the, uh, uh, the the national uh, the, the national uh, presidential archives, uh, which is official office, which usually gets all presidents. Um, records, a significant amount of uh, Donald Trump's records were not delivered to the archives. And the archives, um, through via the Department of Justice, have been trying to get these for, you know, going back to January of 20, uh, January of 2021. Uh, th th there have been negotiations back and forth. In June, um, members of the Department of Justice uh, went to Mar-a-Lago and said, these are the records that we uh, that, that that we still need to be uh, to be handed over. And oh, by the way, as we're noticing around here, the, the the records which you have over in this basement room over here are not secured. They're not locked, and anybody who happens to be visiting Mar-a-Lago can come in and um, can come in and see them, and maybe run off with them or take pictures of them. And uh, even that visit official visit from the Department of Justice was not enough to get uh, the president, the former president to hand these records over. Alternately, the president has been basically trying to make the argument, the former president has been trying to make the argument that because when he was president, he had the power to declassify anything that he wanted to declassify. And he's making the argument now um, retroactively that these things were all declassified. And so he didn't have to hand them, he didn't have to hand them over. However, those are two different things. There are a lot of things that are declassified that still are supposed to be handed over to the archives, whether they were classified or not. And, and so th there, is, there are stories out there that some of the things that the president is holding um, are, so, are so sensitive that holding onto them out of the official umbrella of the U US government could be a violation of the Espionage Act. And just a you know quick, sorry, go ahead, Alvin. Yeah, I was just curious what you guys thought about that. Like, I mean, I, I still have this pet theory that like, and I mean, it's, you know, with Trump, anything on the spectrum is possible. Like it should, could be the most mundane thing and it could be the most nefarious thing with Trump and you never know with him. 
I still have this mindset and maybe it's just because of my prejudices regarding Trump. I feel like, I still feel like these documents that he's holding on to are probably not like the, like, you know, the sort of liberal, you know, dream is that he's, he got these documents to sell us out to the Russians or the Saudis or something like that. But I'm wondering like, if it's just him holding on to like files that are like embarrassing for him and like his buddies, like, you know, there's a, there was a one report that Roger Stone's involved. And is it just that like, he's like, he, he likes the idea of holding up a paper and like, Roger, I know this paper about you. I'm just holding it in my, you know, in my file cabinet in Mar-a-Lago, like, so I can make fun of you. And like, so I, to me, I feel like, you know, with Trump, history shows us that like the dumbest response is usually the answer and not this sort of, you know, John Le Carre, you know, espionage, you know, selling us out to the, the, the highest foreign bidder is possibly. So I'm curious what you guys think is the, on the spectrum of Trump nefariousness, where this will probably land. I mean, we don't know. It's all speculation. But. Yeah, I mean, like, I will say it is in, what's funny to me is that it, I think it is completely plausible, the argument they push back, like, the president, like so many Americans, brings papers home from work. Uh, like that is actually completely plausible to me. Like he is dumb enough that he accidentally brought the nuclear codes home. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like I would imagine, I think dumbest, but it's like, I'll, I'll put it this way. Like, I don't know. Like it's sort of, yeah, anything could be right. Anything could be true. I think it is completely plausible that he has a bunch of relatively unimportant stuff, but took it nefariously if nothing just to be like we'll hold over them now i think what's important to note is the fbi really didn't need to be this aggressive because as i understand it he brings all of those papers to uh, mar-a-lago's six-star seafood night at, which is of course every wednesday out at the patio <laughs> and you can just look through them there so uh it's i love that uh there was a pushback uh on uh, and I think the New York Times did an article on it, and I think they were sincere, but I, and I apologize, I'll double check, but it was a major publication that was like, actually, uh, you know, resort hotels are not an ideal place to store uh, <laughs> sensitive information. It's like, you think so? You sure? Because I, I would agree. I, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I'd agree. Robert, you were about to make a point, and I, I bulldozed past you. I will say that uh, Oliver's, Oliver's point that uh, um, that, that th th this may turn out to be not so much nothing, but it may not be quite the you know the the the, the great the, the holy grail that the left is is uh, has been looking for in terms of oh we finally got it we finally got him on something. Uh, I, I think that's true, and, I, and, and that's why I'm, I'm a little bit wary as to whether this is an unvarnished um, good, because this becomes one more example of, oh, uh, he's, quote, got his fingers caught in the cookie jar, but uh, it can't be proven. We're only able to impeach him. We're never able to actually convict him, and it feeds into his whole idea that uh, the, um, the the deep state is uh, the deep state is out to get him, and he's being and he's being persecuted. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think uh, ultimate like it is it does have a feeling of like like if Twitter had existed during the days of prohibition, Al Capone would have immediately been like taxes, and there'd be a debate over it. Like it feels very like we got him on income tax fraud. Yeah, the, the very unfair selling, Yeah. <laughs> Very unfair, Elliot Ness, and his corrupt G-Man all caps. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I want to be clear. I'm well, not saying well, as, as people pointed out, you know, if, if Twitter had been if Twitter had been around when if Twitter had been around if Twitter had been around during Watergate, you know, Richard Nixon would have stayed in, would have stayed in office. And and oh, by the way, people were saying people are saying that it's outrageous that this raid came on on the uh, you know the day before the anniversary of of Nixon's leaving office, as if it was like if it, if it was set up particularly like that to make people um, compare uh, Trump to Nixon. Yeah, that seems like a lot of thought. For Not the that there would be government. anybody yeah. around who would do something like that. Yeah, yeah that I feel seems like, like people, a lot of effort for the federal government. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people have priced that the whole fallout that Robert you mentioned. Like, I feel like people have priced in that already. Like, I don't, I don't know, and maybe it's just because of the universe of people that I inhabit and watch every day. But I feel like the amount of people that are going to be swayed by any kind of Trump prosecution, even if it's on, you know. The most egregious charge or you know a quote-unquote ticky-tack charge like i feel like the universe of people that are going to be swayed on that one way or the other is kind of over with at this point like i, I just i just feel like there's no you know if, if say they get trump on sort of a technical violation and it's still a violation of the law and you know garland goes ahead and prosecutes him and you know the, the liberal dream happens like i don't feel like it's going to lead to this sea change that you had with watergate of you know, people saying the Republican Party is this, you know, completely corrupt organization and, you know, everyone just sort of the whole thing collapses. And I don't feel the other way either. If like, if it turns out to be, you know, a, a big deal, I don't feel like, or a ticky tack thing, I don't feel like it's going to change a whole lot of minds, even in the middle of people that are just like, I don't care about it anyways. Yeah. I just want to move on with my, it's but, but Oliver, Oliver, that. That sea change, that sea change you spoke of about what happened after Watergate—that oh, the Republican Party is awful and horrible and 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 never should be given power again—that um, lasted for like five years, and Ronald Reagan right. came in <laughs> in 1980. Right. So, well, but like to that the, point, the, there like, wasn't a whole sea change there. Well, I would say like to that point, like this week, great week for Ron DeSantis uh, because like <laughs> no, no, is, no, think, no, no, no. I think I don't think necessarily it's about quite the opposite. I'm quite not talking about necessarily about 2024, but I think. I think it's a great week for if you go through that Watergate parallel for someone who is uh, uh, perhaps better at this than the corrupt president to take over when the vacuum's there. Uh, no, I don't disagree with that. But 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 see what happened after Mar after Mar-a-Lago. Uh, I mean, DeSantis has actually has had had several very good weeks. You know, going back for going back for a while because. Trump, for various reasons, was 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 on, on his heels, and DeSantis was, you know, going after um, uh, big beasts like, you know, going after Disney and 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 after and, and some of these and some of these other groups. When Mar-a-Lago happens, uh, what happens right after that? Um, uh, DeSantis has to fall in line to condemn this. Pence falls in line um, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to condemn this. Um, Trump ends up looking again in the context of Republican politics, looking like the alpha, looking like the alpha male, and these people who look like they were potential challengers when you in the context of the polls, instead they're like saying they're, they're all following his exact line. So I'm not quite sure this was. A, I don't think this was a great. This was a great week for uh, for DeSantis in the context of, um, of of who looks like the alpha male in the Republican Party. Yeah, I'll clarify. I mean, uh, if we're all still alive by then, a uh, good week for Ron DeSantis five years from now. Uh, like, not necessarily. But yeah, who knows? All, you're right. They all have to line up and kiss the ring. They all had to follow, like, they have to follow the deep state narrative that, you know, the big boss man says. And yeah, I think I think that's a good point, Robert, because like they have to, 
he has to be Ron DeSantis from a few years ago. That's like, yes, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, you are being unfairly prosecuted, Mr. Trump, sir. And, and you know, if you're following Mike Pence and who's the you know ultimate cuck, you're not you're not st- sticking out. <laughs> Robert, I'm going to do something I don't like to do on the, this the show, old- which is I'm going to give you a moment here. Uh, and you might be about to say as well. Uh, to praise someone who I kind of loathe, but I agree with you, handled this almost perfectly. Take it away about the gentleman from South Carolina. <laughs> would be t- would be Tim Scott. Uh, exactly. Uh, he, he didn't jump on the whole train of, uh, of, of the horrible FBI and how dare they do this and what's Merrick Garland doing and deep space silliness. He said, um, let's let, 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 let's see what's going. Let's see what's going on here. We shouldn't be jumping to any conclusions, and, and let's see let's see how this let's see how this plays out. Which yeah. any which is any sane person would 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 do. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, exactly. And and that is why you know Tim Scott is pardon the expression a dark horse for the <laughs> for the for the Republican for the Republican nomina- nomination because. Look, he may say a lot of things ideologically in a partisan way that you guys uh, um, might dis- might disagree with, but his temperament—he is—he has a conservative um, uh, temperament, which I think plays well with uh, a whole lot of people that are that are that, you know that are in the middle. They're not—they're yeah. far. They're, they're left Democrats who are never going to vote for him, and there are these you know the whole MAGA crowd. But there's a whole there's a there's a section of the public who will say, oh, you know he. I may not agree with him on this, or I may not agree with him on that. But at least he seems like he's a reasonable person uh, who's just saying, you know, let's wait until the facts come in. Well, but don't you think that? Yeah, don't you think that that might be bad for him? I mean, I, I don't disagree with you that it, it it might be good for him if he get if he gets to the general election. But don't you think that that'll be bad for him in the like Republican primary MAGA world, where even if you're going against Trump? You still need to be seen as going up against the the deep state and the FBI, who is you know a, a raid against our great leader Trump. Even if you don't like Trump and you think they should move on, you know the Kevin McCarthy thing of like, well, you still need to be out there looking like you're fighting the left. And like, you know, I mean, his first few statements they seemed even to me, I, I'd agree, they seemed you know relatively reasonable, but. You know, I'm not the target for him if he's trying to get the Republican nomination for president. Like, I, I want the guy that's out there saying, you know, how dare you go up against our great president, regardless of whether you actually like Trump or not. No, I, no, the, no. There is that. Um, there is that concern. Uh, but I think as more information comes in on this particular uh, episode, um, I think s- somebody, somebody like a Tim Scott, is going to end up. Looking better than some of the, the, is going to look like looking better than uh, Kevin McCarthy. But again, that's not always saying much. Well, uh, yeah, I will, I, will, I will admit. Well, and like going back to the beginning of this conversation, the common ground, like exactly as you said, that persuadable middle on on issues of Trump does exist, and that persuadable middle, like the common ground between left and right, is is uh, I really don't want this important serious process, FBI investigating a president, to be a political process. Uh, and, you know, Scott definitely approached that from the right and, you know, Senate Democrats, I know like everyone was, I think that was a big to do. And we're going to turn to talking about Oliver's favorite thing, the Senate in a moment. Uh, but, uh, you know, the house Democrats were, were, were dunking all night long. Whereas the Senate Democrats, I think quite wisely. And I think this is fine. I think the house is a place for people to be, 
uh, assholes on Twitter. And I appreciate that the Senate Democrats, meanwhile, were like, we're going to come back to this tomorrow when we have more information <laughs> <laughs> before we celebrate what went on here. Uh, and because like, yeah, this is an issue where like, yeah, for us on Twitter, it's fun, but agreed. Like, like, we want adults in the room saying, you know, uh, uh, we want adults in the room saying, hey, let's handle this the right way. So speaking of adults in the room saying, let's handle this the right way, <laughs> I think everyone who listens to electoral dysfunction knows if there's one guy we've always loved from the beginning, it's <laughs> Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, that great guy who we love. Oh, the liberal Joe. lion, the liberal Joe's lion, they call him. Yeah, Joe. Uh, I always found his common sense approach to be one that was really great. Uh, and uh, end result, he uh, he engineered. Uh, this is a crazy true thing to say. The senator from West Virginia, from coal country, is probably single-handedly responsible for the most sweeping climate uh, bill in certainly in generations, but maybe ever in American yeah. history. Um, you know, the, the Inflation Reduction Act passed the Senate uh, last week, passed the House end of this week. Um, uh, as we discussed two weeks back, always smart to name a bill, something it might do <laughs> when in doubt, uh, even if it won't. Uh, clear name that might do it. Uh, that bill passed. And, you know, as we, we discussed earlier, kind of got uh, got five seconds in the sun for passing the Senate before it just got kicked off the front page by Mar-a-Lago. Uh, but uh, end result, Joe Biden is on the cusp of being maybe the most, certainly the most accomplished Democratic president of my lifetime. Uh, we haven't had a ton of Democratic presidents in that lifetime, to be fair. <laughs> but uh, and uh, it, it's all because of our pal Joe, uh, you know, we are trying to, we're still trying to track down how this could have possibly, how this worked out the way that it did. Uh, we're still thrown by the fact that uh, Chuck Schumer outfoxed Mitch McConnell twice. Um, and I say this as a Schumer apologist. I like the guy, but I mean, outfoxing Mitch McConnell is very hard to do. He's good at this. Uh, but the only assumption I guess we've come to as a possible answer is that maybe there's a holiday in July that we weren't aware of called West Virginia Christmas. And on West Virginia Christmas Eve, three ghosts visited Joe Manchin <laughs> uh, and changed his mind. So that's my that's my best assumption. But let's talk a little bit about this Inflation Reduction Act, which and I'd say, like, to be clear, like, it, you know, we, we joked about this at the top of the show. Like, you know, is it what I wanted as a as a diehard lefty? No, but uh, it's maybe like it's a pretty good bill. It's like, you know, the James Heskey, our friend joke, it's 20% of what I wanted. And I always get 1% of what I wanted. So that's huge. <laughs> but I think, you know, with a divided Senate, it is an incredible accomplishment. You know, that's my thought. Like if you had 55 votes, I'd be like, this could have been better. But with 50 votes, this is huge. What passed in the, the Senate last week. Let's talk a little bit more. Oliver, uh, again, let's take a moment to really be shocked that we feel joy over something coming out of your favorite place, the United States Senate. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of in my, my, my theory of the mansion turn is, you know, I love wrestling. And if people know, but when, the, when, the, when the good guy turns bad, they call it a heel turn. And I've been saying that, like, I and mean, when you the, the bad guy turns good, it's a face turn. And I said, we've been getting face Joe Manchin for the last few weeks. You know, all of a sudden, like, Joe Manchin is, like, the worst villain. You know, he's, like, the guy that, that like, you know, jumps into the ring and punches you in the face in the middle of everything. And then all of a sudden, like, Joe Manchin is, like, with the good guys. And he just, like, hands Biden the steel chair. And Biden's like, what? I wasn't expecting you to give me this. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you're knocking down climate change with like $300 billion. And so, yeah, I, I, 
you know, he's going to turn on us. It's like this whole thing of like, I've been feeling good and he's going to turn in a moment. But I, I like Face Joe Manchin. He's fun. He even beat up Fox News during the whole thing. Like, it's one of those things, again, where I'm like, am I dreaming? Am I sleeping? Like, what's going on here? Well, it also speaks to like something that we haven't seen a ton of in years. And a lot of us kind of roll our eyes when we hear about like, ah, wasn't it better when they all just get together and have a couple drinks? But a thing, I don't know how active he was involved in this, but a thing I learned while reading up on this, I was not aware that California Congressman and Bernie Sanders, like acolyte, Ro Khanna, is a good friend of Joe Manchin's. <laughs> and so I'm curious, like, what role did that play in this process? Like him just, you know, just constantly talking to him. But I know, like, Schumer is famously, famously has a flip phone that has every single Democrat's number in it, and he calls them all several times a day. And that's why, you know, as much as uh, Schumer can irritate the left on Twitter, and I have had my moments, I ultimately stand by my belief that if both Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders say, yes, you're the right leader, you must be doing something right. And it just seems like Chuck Schumer just kept talking to him until he got him to a place where he found something that he liked and Manchin was willing to lead it. And another important thing, when we get back to that notion of relationships, here's a very underrated thing because we on the left hate both of them so much we don't think about it this way joe manchin really hates mitch mcconnell apparently <laughs> like loathes the guy so uh i guess that's all of it like if you you know uh if you're the deciding vote in the united states senate which manchin in many respects is uh you know it it behooves the leadership of your caucus to befriend him actively uh clearly that was the case here Robert. Well, that, no, that's that's exactly right. And uh, and just to getting to the, the the earlier premise of this uh, of this particular discussion, uh, it is a remarkable accomplishment when you manage to um, uh, pass a um, a bipartisan bill with fifty votes. And by by bipartisan, of course, I mean forty eight Democrats. That's Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Uh, I mean, if you and, want to get real, that's kind of basically Democrats you know, to independence, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. So, uh, th th no, that's exactly right. That's right yeah. because you because and, and because I mean uh, that's a uh, uh, Angus King and uh, and and Bernie Sanders. Exactly. Uh, that's ex such a great that, that's name, exactly Angus right. King. And huh? the Burger King, I call him. Best name in the Senate and history. Well, it's, what's actually kind of it's. A, actually funny because uh, it's not really uh, incorrect. I mean, Angus King, even though he caucuses with the Democrats and is usually more a more reliable uh, Democratic vote than than say Joe Manchin is, uh, every now and then he'll do something unusual. Like he was the reason he was the reason why uh, why Biden's first pick um, to to head to, uh, to head up the ATF um, ended up ended up crashing and ended up crashing and burning. So he does have those independent streaks uh, uh, independent streaks as well. Um, yeah, he's a very moderate independent, is Angus King. I mean, he's yeah, very, yeah, very, very, but, but also, but it's, it's kind of remember it. Um, what state is he from, and who's Maine. the other? Uh, who's the other? Yeah. Who's the who's the other senator there? Maine, the, where they love two things: abortions and guns. <laughs> <laughs> And there you, there, 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 there you go. There you go. But no, uh, look, Chuck. Sh nobody's ever going to confuse Chuck Schumer uh, with um, with with Lyndon Johnson, right? Uh, it, it, he's not a master of the Senate of the Senate that way. But keeping in mind, Lyndon Johnson, when he was um, uh, when he was the master of the Senate, and in fact, when he was twisting arms. 
was in the Senate when he was president of the, president of the United States, you know, they had uh, 65, uh, they, they had 65 or something like Democrat, you know, Democratic votes. And uh, a lot of those Democratic votes were um, uh, Southern, Southern Democrats who were far, far to the right of anywhere Joe Manchin is. Um, um, right now, and they were the ones who were, you know, uh, blocking uh, uh, civil rights legislation and 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 stuff and stuff like that. Chuck Schumer, he's got a fifty, he's got a fifty-fifty Senate, and he 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 has to work a whole lot harder to tr to make sure he's able to talk to all of those fifty those fifty members and keep their respect and keep them and and, and keep them and keep them happy. And, and given that, it's it's a it's a pretty remarkable uh, it's a pretty remarkable legislative slate. And there's a good question. Uh, there's a good question one might ask: uh, Is uh, who's been more successful, Joe Biden, uh, who is going to be who's been signing legislation on a whole vast array of topics, um, you know, burn um, burn pits, uh, you know, climate. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of things. Or, you know, Barack Obama, who had a, a slightly smaller legislative package, but one of the things that got passed, obviously, was Obamacare, which was something that, um, uh, which is something Democrats had been, uh, or a variation of national health care that, that, that uh, Democrats have been wanting to get for literally for decades. So it, it's an interesting debate as to who you want to say is as of this moment has had the more uh, impressive legislative record. I yeah, think, as, uh, as, as Tom was saying earlier, like I, as someone who has gone on record as hating the Senate, like my model for the Senate is, you know, from the, the Star Wars prequels of like dissolve it and give the power to a dictator. Like that's how I feel about the U.S. Senate. Like it's been, you know, I, I've, I've been personally humbled the last couple of weeks because I'm like, it's actually working, you know, in, in like the storybook fashion it's supposed to work. Like, you know, like Tom was saying, like it's the 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 personal relationships and the whole, you know, compromise and all these, you know, the, the softer that cools and it's actually been working the way it's supposed to. And, I, you know, from my point of view, I would argue, Robert, that like Biden has been legislatively more successful already than Obama has, just because you've got, you know, the, the rescue plan, you've got the infrastructure bill, you've got the PACT Act, you've got now this climate bill, basically a climate bill that we called an inflation bill because that's what's in the news this week, but it's literally a climate bill. I mean, it's 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 one of the few times where I've been shocked at Democrats for like, yeah, it's a climate bill, but nobody's going to actually change their vote because you said it's a climate bill, so call it an inflation bill. You know, <laughs> like no one's going to actually vote for a climate bill. It, unfortunately, like that's the world that we actually inhabit, but it's got you know, I, I, I worked in a story this past, you know, couple of weeks where like all these environmental groups like could not run fast enough to say, please pass this damn thing like Sierra Club and, and Earth Justice and all these groups and Al Gore literally were like, pass it, pass it before everyone realizes what's in it. Pass it, pass it, pass it. You know, it's one of those things where it went through so fast. I would argue that, you know, as great as Obamacare has been, it's a bigger accomplishment overall. Yeah. And and just and one more thing, uh, I will also I, even though the climate is the cl getting some climate bill passed is important for uh, all sorts of uh, historical and actual you know literal climate uh, reasons. Uh, the the element though in this package, which I think Democrats are going to go back to on and on again, 
particularly heading into the midterms, uh, is the uh, is the Medicare prescription um, bill on part, and because that is also along with, you know, Obamacare in 2010 got something that Democrats have been wanting to do for decades, as I said, as I, as I said before, um, the 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 idea of a, a, a somewhat nationalized approach um, to healthcare. Something though that they've also been doing, trying to do for uh, for uh, a, hand, a handful of decades, if not the long decades that they were trying to do with national health, has been trying to get um, uh, Medicare to be able to negotiate um, prescri um, prescription drugs. And uh, Democrats tend to do well in elections when the issue when the issue that they take to the voters uh, um, is around is around healthcare. And 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 this and this gives them a very powerful uh, uh, argument um, to take uh, to take into the to take into the midterms even more so even more so even more so than climate change even more so than um, the veterans um, the veterans package or the, uh, the or the conductor the chips conductor bill and things like that if they keep talking about uh, seniors you know you're going to have lower uh, prescription benefits because of this bill. That's a very strong message. And we also, Robert, you and I were talking about this yesterday, just like, that's also, you know, the easy thought there is like, yeah, appeal to old people because they definitely vote. But, you know, we have an aging population that's not really dying off. And so we have a lot of kids and I think all three of us have dealt with in, in times and ways like being caregivers for senior relatives. And like, it is a load off for us. Like, and now anything that's in this bill is like, I think right away, I, maybe not be right away, but sooner than the negotiating kicks into effect, uh, all vaccinations are now covered for free under Medicare under this bill uh, for 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 senior citizens, which is like just a a load off my mind to not worry about that. Like as much as you know, yeah, we're all like the hope for thought is that people would think from the standpoint of it's good for seniors and think more magnanimously, and also think cynically, like or not cynically, selfishly in a good way, like oh good, this will be there when I'm old. But so many uh, people, you know, so many younger people are dealing with older relatives, older parents that they have to take care of. And this matters to them when they go out to vote as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be less abstract than a lot of the Obamacare stuff, which was sort of like, you know, people because a, a lot of Democrats were afraid of like branding it all as Obamacare. Like I, I saw an argument recently where someone was like, Oh no, but I have my health care through my local exchange. That's not Obamacare. Like, and a lot of people I think still have that mindset where you're gonna, you know, with this prescription benefit, you're gonna it, it's gonna require Democrats to take credit for it, which as Tom and I know is not something they do a really good job with. Yeah. Like I think Manchin's the only one who yeah. ever takes credit. Like, like you need they need to like run around and say, like, you know, when you went to go pick up grandma's prescriptions at CVS and you didn't have to take out a mortgage to do it. I did it. I did that. I did that for grandma. And, you know, as we've said before, like Democrats love to fumble the ball and that kind of thing. So I don't have the confidence necessarily going into this fall election that they're going to take enough credit for it. But if they do, yeah, it's definitely boon for them. I'm sure Senator Jack Reed is preparing a statement that how we shouldn't take credit for all. I don't know. That's not fair to Jack Reed. <laughs> He's just the, the first <laughs> the first old white guy I could think of. Uh, uh, let's talk one last thing uh, before we go, just because, you know, and I didn't prep for this one, but I'm fascinated by the news that, that broke this week because we're all comic book nerds. Uh, that the good people at WB decided to produce an entire Batgirl movie and then be like, you know what? 
nah, which seems like a lot of money to spend on something. Like, it's kind of crazy to me that our government is ever involved in debates over whether or not we can spend money on something that won't work when the WB is just tossing stuff out. Uh, and that quickly led to uh, discussions within the streaming giants by Time Warner, like, you know, HBO Max, I guess, is going to slowly be phased out into Discovery, into Discovery Plus territory, uh, uh, which has uh, opened a debate in terms of, if nothing else, like the kind of content that all these big companies are now controlling that we watch and like sort of making it and making decisions on, on what we watch for us and, and whether or not we're interested based off demographics and all kinds of things. Uh, which is a fast, like if nothing better than 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 when companies decide uh, what people think, uh, and that is a as as fumbled a way to describe it as I could come up with. But uh, you know, it's Sunday morning and I'm tired. Uh, so our thoughts right now on 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 the streaming news of, of the week, and the two of you, particularly as DC Comics super fans, how you know I wanted your thoughts on on this because it seems like a decision. All right, so as, as uh, I'll, I'll go back a bit. Uh, listeners to this uh, show and people who know me know I worked for Marvel Comics for a while and I try not to offer too strong of opinion on the, <laughs> the, the machinations of comics world because I've been on the other side of that line. I have a lot of respect for people. I know people at DC. I know people at Marvel. I respect uh, uh, the, the hard work and situations they're in. DC Comics has maybe the most recognizable catalog of characters. Like my mom knew who the Green Lantern was and my mom doesn't know like who any of these superheroes are. Uh, and yet somehow they seem constantly thrown by how to make this work. And then meanwhile, here's Marvel being like, oh yeah, just uh, get like a famous enough actor, have him make some goofy quips, punch a bad guy uh, and have a fun post-credit scene. <laughs> well, I mean, like the, the sheer like, fact- well, We can't do that. They're like the Democrats of comics. They're like, yeah, well, that so yeah. Yeah, the sheer fact that we've had a Guardians of the Galaxy movie one and two that have made hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars at this point, and DC hasn't been able to make like, you know, a decent Justice League movie. Like <laughs> the fact that you exactly. can't get a movie with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, like you know, like th that alone. And and, it, and, it, and I, I, to me, this all goes back to you know, envy of Avengers, right? Like they basically, I think this is the root of the whole problem is that they saw how much money Avengers made and DC basically said, screw this whole thing of like methodically building towards this gigantic movie that makes us a ton of money. Let's skip over that part of like building interest in it and just get Zack Snyder to make this Justice League movie. And it was freaking terrible. And even I'll tell, you know, I'll explain to your listeners that the, the, the Snyder cut is also terrible. It's not good, you know, and, and I say this as the world's biggest Superman fan. It's not a good movie. Hey, it might not be good, but it is four hours long. <laughs> right, it's, it's four hours of extremely not good. Which you until, I guess, next year can stream on HBO Max. Right, and so it, it, it stems from this whole thing of rushing in. And, you know, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the new Discovery parent people, but part of me as like a DC fan, I sort of like this idea that they're just going to Thanos snap everything out of existence and maybe start over from year zero, but they're not really going to because they've got the like Aquaman and Shazam movies coming up. So they're not going to pretend those don't exist. And you didn't even mention the the entire crap show that is this Flash movie with I Ezra just, Miller. Yeah. If someone can stop Ezra Miller's reign of terror across this right. country, you know, if they like, can be stopped, then maybe the Flash movie will come out, as I right. believe what you know, they announced and, and so, at the call this week. 
That yeah, was amazing. They did. An executive said, this isn't just rumors. Like the plan is either we have them do a series of interviews explaining that they are a maniac and apologizing, <laughs> or we don't have them do any advertising or promotion for the movie, or we just bulk the movie. <laughs> what a terrible well, circumstance to be. And, and and this is and this is the thing. The 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 flash movie had been kind of like their sort of tent pole to sort of bring this whole uh, DCEU thing uh, into, uh, uh, you know, uh, into, into, into cohesion. And it was going to have, it, it was, it's supposed to have, you know, you know, appearances by, by, by Michael Keaton, you know, a Batman that everybody, a, a Batman that everybody loves and these other pe people from the multiverse. And then suddenly your, your lead actor just completely and totally, um, uh, let's see, goes insane is it is that okay to say i believe I, I, I they are they are literally on a 50 state tour to commit crimes in every single state like if ezra miller ends up on a plane to guam shoot that plane down <laughs> as fast but you know as you but, but the funny thing about that is the funny thing about that is um if there was any character in the dc um universe <laughs> would be able to commit crimes in all right. 50 states it would be the flash <laughs> good point, good point. It's true to character it's sort of like uh, it's it's sort of like how uh, it's, it's sort of like how it's sort of like how Tupac uh, had a, like a great rap career, and then he like does the uh, he does this movie where he gets like taken over where the the character who's like this real kind of thug sort of like you know infuses it in, into into Tupac's head, and then Tupac was never like really quite the same until he got killed. Uh, I know that was on a that was a that was a kind of a weird uh, uh, diverted. None of us there. are still but, the same after we're murdered. Good point. <laughs> no. <laughs> That but opinion brought to you by but, but what's but but what's but what's i mean it's it is it is kind of crazy that um that the dc as you said has this incredible ip in front of it and is unable to um make a series of good movies with their um with their star their standout characters their a plus characters when Marvel is able to make a billion dollar movies out of Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. And I mean, not just their B-list characters, they're like C, they're like C, they're C and D D list characters. Uh I, I mean a it's a cartoon it's just... animated show about Groot on Disney Plus right now. <laughs> no, no, this is the no, but the thing is, um DC traditionally, I, I mean Oliver knows this, um DC traditionally. Uh, their their power has um, uh, their creative power uh, has actually been has been in the animated world and uh, they you know go, you know going back uh, going back almost twenty years now to like Justice League Justice League um, uh, Justice League um, Unlimited um, uh, uh, the Batman animated show and all of those kind of things so they they've always had a power and that and they still still manage to do that I mean the the, the Harley the Harley Quinn animated show is just is just is 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 just is just remarkable and look and I'm still one of those people who who I mean it's it's been fading now obviously but the the I I'm still a fan I'm still a fan of the Arrowverse I mean I think what DC does what DC does on the small screen is is pretty is 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 pretty impressive but but why do those things why do those things work everybody talks about uh, what Marvel has done on the on the big screen why do a lot of those things work um, because they build they do universe building they do animation universe building and then they did uh, real live action um, 
animated um, world building uh, with the Arrowverse. You may want to like criticize some of it here and there, but they took the time to build to to build these things out. It's only on the big screen that they feel that they that it's it's not possible to do that. And I think a real interesting point you mentioned the Justice League cartoon from about twenty years ago, and this taps into the situation with the Batgirl film. It really speaks to like the the you know, uh, racial politics in Hollywood are uh, terrible. Uh, like there's a lot of stupidity in how things are managed for, you know, like just from a moral standpoint that we don't have fi more films that have people of color in leads. But I think about the, you know, in 2000-ish or uh, it's, I forget exactly what year, but when that Justice League cartoon came out uh, for to, to ensure that they didn't just have a bunch of white guys, they picked the John Stewart Green Lantern, the black Green Lantern. Uh, and so you have a generation of kids who grew up knowing the Green Lantern as a black man. And then the first chance DC had to make a Green Lantern movie, they're like, get us a white guy. Right. And I know there's a million different Green Lanterns, but you had it like, that's what a lot of kids grew up with. And it is such a Hollywood thing to be like, who cares what kids know? I need to get Ryan Reynolds in an ugly suit. Uh, and that's what, what's stunning about this Batgirl movie being pulled. Maybe it's horrible. Like it could be right. just a terrible turd, first of all we all know that terrible turds are constantly being put on TV and film, but it was uh, a uh, uh, woman of color led film and they just pulled it. And that is, and, and I guarantee you there is some bean counter in Hollywood who's like, well, these movies never do well. And they announced this news the same weekend that Hulu puts out the movie Prey, which if you haven't seen is the latest Predator film is like breaking streaming records uh, is led by, by a, a, a young woman of color and is an incredible film because it's just a really good movie. <laughs> and, and, and they, they built the a solid, strong film and didn't get caught up in the like, you know, the, I'm sure the like the, the focus grouping that was like, well, in Michigan suburbs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it comes yeah. in the wake of, you know, again, Black Panther, right? And the whole Black Panther franchise now, which is the, one of the biggest juggernauts in Marvel history. Yeah. And, I, and I think so much of this comes from, like Marvel had to do this out of like desperation because they couldn't use their A-list characters. You know, like if you go back in time to when Iron Man came out, I think maybe if they had been able to launch the the MCU with, you know, X-Men and like the, you know, the Avengers as we know them, like, you know, Spider-Man, like it may not have been as good, but the fact that they had to launch it with, you know, Iron Man, who, I mean, you guys know this, but a lot of people don't recognize like Iron Man back then was not, you know, the AA list Robert Downey Jr. character. He was, I wouldn't say B list, but he was not on the front lines of Marvel. He's no, you know, Wolverine basically. Yeah. But like they had to like launch it with, you know, Iron Man and like Robert said, take their time and build up to the Avengers. So when the Avengers movie finally did happen, it felt like, you like we as the audience felt like we had been on this trip with them and we were getting like a giant cake as our reward whereas like dc has just been able to like they they've owned all their characters they didn't farm them out to any other studios because warner brothers has you know owned them forever like it's one of these things where i feel like the dc's you know brass were like well we can just make another batman movie and make a ton load of money again you know, we can throw, you know, you know, like Wonder Woman, like their their idea of a risky bet was the Wonder Woman movie, which should not be like this is a proven character that had a, a hit television show, as you said before, one of the most iconic characters. But they felt that like this was a giant gamble of like a woman led action, you know, adventure. And they're like, oh, wait, it made a ton load of money. Yeah, because people want to see a great story like it's yeah. but, but DC has had this thing of like our their stable is so big 
that like the I don't feel like they haven't felt the need to innovate. They're just like, ah, we can throw whatever up. I mean, even now, even when they're in all this chaos, they 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 released the Batman, which was, you know, pretty good, you know, made a ton load of money. So like they they feel like they they're playing with house money even when they screw up. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree it was successful. I don't know. I'll well, disagree on good. We'll save that for another show. <laughs> well, and also just just to follow up on the point that Oliver made. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you, Tom. That uh, the, the the Green Lantern that a whole generation grew up with in terms of the animated universe is John is John Stewart. Uh, and DC could have gone with a with a with a with a black character, but they decided to go with Ryan Reynolds. I don't necessarily fault them for that because uh, just as just as Oliver said, uh, Marvel launched their universe with um, with you know with with Iron Man. Um, with a, you know, a uh, Robert Downey Jr. who had, you know, who'd, uh, <laughs> who'd almost been, who for a few years had been like Ezra Miller in terms of having like lots and lots of like bad, uh, bad headlines attached to him because he had substance, he had substance abuse and so forth. They took a fly, they took Pure a flyer on Want to be clear, just what? for for Robert Downer, Downey Jr. fans, and want to be clear, we're we acknowledge Robert Downey Jr. I think uh, committed far fewer kidnappings than as for Miller. Taking that into point, but the the point the point is, I mean, I think DC tried to do a gamble with their with the first Green Lantern movie because they were thinking it could be a, a tentpole in the way that, that that Iron Man Iron Man was, and they decided to go with Ryan Reynolds, you know, just like Marvel went with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. And the problem the problem was the it was a bad movie. It it wasn't necessary that the, the fact that they they chose to go with the white guy, no. um, you know, no, Hal Jordan. It was just it was a it was a poorly put to, it was a poorly put together movie. But then. But then their idea was, oh, we're going to have to abandon this and just go and just go in a different direction. When instead saying, okay, well, we've got the actor that we we've got the actor that we need. Let's just tr let's just try and you know put together another better movie. And Green Lantern, maybe Green Lantern Two can be better than 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 Green Lantern One. But they panicked about it and 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 decided to you know crap the bed. Uh, yeah, no, I agree, like hundred percent. That same movie starring you know like. Uh... Uh, like Chadwick Boseman as John Stewart still would have been a bomb because it was a terrible film. Uh, <laughs> no argument there. Uh, but it is like, it is just, it is bizarre to me. And like, I don't think that it is uh, an accident that their thought was not, let's make sure, <laughs> like, let's connect with what a bunch of kids had. Instead, it's let's get a white guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't need to explain racial politics to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please Tom, please continue explaining. Yeah, go, go ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, look, first of all, as we agreed on this show, the United States Senate was way better in the 60s when I guess we're stopping somewhere because at least they talked to each other. Before Obama uh, ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> Those awful racist, at least they had conversations after work. Uh, anyway, with that, uh, I think we're gonna leave it there for this week for electoral dysfunction. Wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, Oliver, where can folks find you on social media to, to enjoy watching uh, Kalel's adventures and you bully the left? Yeah, you can follow me at on Twitter at OWillis. And uh, yeah, it's mostly dog pictures, occasional political rants, but mostly dog pictures. And Robert, where can folks find you uh, for more of the more 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 moments where I will? Uh, eh, I was going for a joke, didn't work. Never mind. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> uh, you can find me at uh, um, at uh, Rob George uh, on 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 Twitter and uh, Rob George twenty nine on um, 
on uh, oh what is it called oh yeah on Instagram and I'm actually I'm I'm dipping my I'm dipping my feet into the TikTok kind of thing so far I'm just following people and stuff like that but who knows what kind of ridiculous mischief I might be able to get uh, get into on TikTok because I'm because I'm I, I want to hang out with the young kids like that yeah. And on behalf of uh, the Chinese government, thank you for joining. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at Brennanator, on Instagram at Brennanatorgram. Uh, quick thank you, as always, to Joanne Harris for our show theme music. Thank you to James Haskey for stopping by. And thank you to Ned Thorne for helping me put these together every uh, two weeks now. We will be back in two weeks where, uh, look, the last time we left, we were just thrown by the fact that Joe Manchin had done the right thing. And now the FBI is breaking into Mar-a-Lago and uh, we're signing all kinds of bills left and right. I can only assume in, in a few weeks time, Lord Supreme Commander Kamala Harris will have uh, uh, be sending all of us to the gulags for our, for our wacky opinions online because the left politicizes these things now. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's it for this week's electoral dysfunction. Bye-bye.